Welcome to another episode of the Rachel Unpack Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Medina, serial entrepreneur based in sunny Southern California, here to help women just like you unpack their inner CEO. Whether you're a mommypreneur, Christianpreneur, or a working woman wanting to tap into the new and exciting she economy and all that it has to offer wealth-minded business building women like you, you are in the right place. Every episode is dedicated to mindset, wealth, and the faith factor needed to build a successful business specifically from home. If you're new to my content and you want to tap into resources, workbooks, courses, masterminds, a community of like-minded women that can support you on your entrepreneurial journey, head on over to my website, rachelmedina.com and click any button you see that says she EO, and it'll take you right on over there. In the meantime, if you're not doing so already, please follow me on social media at rachelmedina101. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Rachel Unpack Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Medina. I am so excited to have Stacy Marks here from Marks Law. She is a family law attorney in Southern California, and she is going to be talking to us about trusts. Okay, so not just trust and trust issues people have uh, in their marriages and beyond. That's a whole other show, but specifically about the money moves you need to make, how to protect your assets or your assets, in you know, in that regard, and also share with us her, you know, female journey as an entrepreneur, how she got the courage to really lean into this line of work and uh, juggling family, career, and any other aspects of her life. Stacy, welcome. Hi, Rachel. Thank you for having me. Tell us a little bit about what you do. Well, I am a family law attorney and I've been doing that for 21 years. Um, I most recently, within the last couple of years, took on additional types of law practice. I'm doing estate planning um, along with preparing special needs trusts because I have a special needs son. So when I got that together for myself, I thought, wow, I need to start helping out other people with this area. And then I also do conservatorships and guardianships and conservatorships fall along the line with estate planning and special needs trust, because um, when your disabled child becomes an adult, you have to put certain protections in there to protect them as they go through the adult part of their life. So, oh, amazing. Amazing. So yeah, we are going to get into some of those nuggets. Um, I, it's a little bit of cheating. I know a little bit more about you, obviously. Uh, we worked in a in a in the same building and we got to know each other and so I'm like oh my gosh she would be so amazing to have on the show so thank you so much for coming on I know you're very listen this is a busy busy woman that we have on this show today so thank you for taking the time all right so I'm gonna look at my notes here um let's talk a little bit about I like to call your CEO journey so you at some point decided that you wanted to become a lawyer or get into law can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what you were about before you became a lawyer and what that journey looked like into becoming a lawyer? Sure. Um, wow. Uh, becoming a lawyer actually goes all the way back from when I was a kid. I'm, I'm probably one of those unusual young adults, uh, teenagers that I, I already knew that I want what I wanted to do. I wanted to be an attorney and I specifically wanted to be an attorney to represent children. Um, I love children. I feel sometimes they don't get a voice out there. So when I was younger, I would be um, part of different organizations, even in school, uh, whether that be ASB or whatever. And I was always trying to find different ways to vocalize rights for students and um, other teenagers. So I knew right away I was going to be an attorney, much to my parents' dismay. They did not want me to be an attorney. Oh, my dad had a horrible experience with it. So because um, he went through a divorce himself. So it was like, don't ever be an attorney. They're the they are losers. They are liars. They are cheats. I'm like, wow, but I really want to be one. So they pushed for me to be a doctor. Um, but I can tell you, um, I don't know how it is now for teenagers going through counseling and, and, and pursuing going to college and, and pursuing their dreams, if they even know what that is at a young age. But I didn't get a lot of support from counselors in school. In fact, I was told that I needed to find maybe a different type of career because um, um, although my grades were uh, at that time, back in those days, GPAs at 3.9 and 0.0 were really yeah. good. Not like today where they have to be 4.5 and 4.6. Yeah. 4. Yeah. Um, and plus I took care, I'm the oldest of five. So I took care of all my siblings so my parents could work. So I was working, um, taking care of the kids, taking care of the household, 
and a cheerleader and maintaining these grades. And in their eyes, they just weren't good enough for me to go to law school and become an attorney. And I remember the counselor telling me, you might want to look into something that's a little more easier career for you, maybe like a legal secretary or something. Yeah, I remember saying that. And I thought to myself, this chick, you know what? Guess what? Not only was a woman attorney, I'm going to come back and slap my law degree on your desk while you sit here in high school being a counselor. And it was a woman? Yeah, it was a woman. It was a woman. And um, so I thought to myself, oh, I'm going. And I remember I wrote my essay because um, I was had to compete with all these different people oh, yeah. out there. I wrote this essay of my journey of growing up in the household that I did between balancing a life of trying to be a teenager, but also I helped my parents raise my siblings because they had to work. I had two parents that were working. And so I learned how to do lots of things on my own and I was their tutor and I made sure their homework got in there. And if they need to be picked up, that was me. I did all of those things. So I shared that journey in my essay to the colleges and I had an overwhelming acceptance to colleges. Um, so I got to choose right. Uh, go. So I was very excited. I ended up going to UCI because I, that way it could be far enough from home, but not too far, yeah. um, which was a fantastic school. And they had a great legal program. I, I won't lie though. I went in as a bio-sci major to make my parents happy. So they oh. were supportive. Yes, I know. I got in as a bio-sci <laughs> major. Um, as soon as that year was done, man, I transferred my major over to um, the legal area and I got taught by judges and attorneys and it was so great. Oh, wow. uh, So I, I encourage anybody that's out there that has young teenage daughters or even just teenagers um, don't let these counselors in high school, if they're not encouraging, don't let them discourage you. You can forge your own path. I don't care what they say. Okay. And, if you, you want know, it bad enough, you can go get it. You know, and even parents sometimes, because, yes. you know, their, their view, their vantage point is so limited, right? They're only limited by, they're limited by their own beliefs of what they think is possible. And we all have our independent journey, right? And, and if you really want it bad enough, like Stacey is saying, you know, you can absolutely positively go for it. If you're a mom listening to this and you have teenage daughters or sons, or I don't care what it is, right. do your best to not get in their way. Like be encouraging and helpful and, and, and guide them. Even when you're so scared that they might be making the, the, the wrong choice, um, just try your best not to necessarily get in their way because you just never know. Um, well, and it's their journey. They have to go through it. I agree with you on that. And we do that with our kids. They know, just have a plan, whatever plan that's going to be, and it may not work out and that's okay. That's part of what's going to build your character of who you're going to be once you get there. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's like as parents, we want to be encouragers and we want them to dream big that sometimes we're guilty of being the dream killers. Um, and then it's so unfortunate that they're in a school system where, you know, even the counselors and even maybe other, you know, teachers could be, oh, you know, kid, you're not quite cut out for that. Um, there's so many stories, even with famous people and stuff like that, they had people telling them the negative things and then they went and proved them wrong. Um, okay. So your counselor tells you this, you're just like, ha, um, I will show her right. um, and then you break through and, and by the way, I just want to say a little something. I gave my second public speaking speech at UC Irvine to their entrepreneur because they're like the ants or something. Yes. And it Get was eaters, like their yes. entrepreneur department, but yes. uh, entrepreneur a few, several years back. So it was like, ah, UCI. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now you get your, you get your degree and, um, now you're, are you, is this like a mostly male dominated space? Um, is there a lot of women and like, what did you encounter at that point? Well, I had been already before, um, I even got into UCI at 17 years old, I began working in a law firm. Uh -huh. um, and I encourage anybody that's pursuing a career at a young age to definitely go out there and get the work experience in the area that you want to do, because you may find out, I don't want to do this. Yes. <laughs> this yes. is the wrong area for me. Um, I did though. I, I loved it. And I started out like a file clerk. I don't care. I just want to be in there. I want to look at legal documents and know what they were. And um, I flourished in that law firm. So I continued working through all my years at college even when I went to law school. So that's where I was. So it wasn't in that area, all the partners at the time when I started were all male. There was no okay. female partners. Um, there was female associates, um, but they didn't get a lot of recognition and they got a lot of the crappy cases. I know this because I would help them on cases. 
So um, I remember the first time they brought in a female partner and she was already an associate there and she paid to be a partner to be part of the firm. And that was a huge deal. But still, I remember because I used to help her out with different things. She didn't get a lot of recognition. And when they would have meetings and stuff, I know that she was discounted a lot because of the things that she would share to me. And I always thought to myself, wow, I am not going to let that happen. I am not going to be silent. You are not going to discard me. I don't care if I'm a female or not. Now, with that said, that was also happening with fellow associates, like other female. You would think that yeah, as, a, as women, we want to empower each other, right? We want to be supportive. Right. But there in, in the legal field, let me tell you, there's a lot of females that do not do that. It is a competition and they, if, if you're prettier or if you like did something a little bit better than them, you have now become enemy number one. And that's what I grew up with is seeing that. And I thought to myself, I am never going to treat another person like that ever. If they're better than me, then hallelujah, you did a great job. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I think that one of the things that um, that's, it sounds like, you know, you're talking about law, right? But I come from big media and I worked at, you know, mid-range media as well. And in media, same thing, you know, really it was, uh, you know, even female magazines were run by men. If you ever seen the movie, you know, 13 going on 30, there's, yeah. you know, Jenna Rink, right? She's, she's was like my job. But at the end of the day, who was at the tippity top? The man, right? Was the tippity top. And if you were a woman that was climbing up or, or getting the publisher or even the founder or big media CEO to point you out and go, good job, that's awesome. Let's use her idea. Let's go with what she's saying. The other ladies would be like side-eyeing, suddenly you're not getting invited to the lunches anymore. There's all this weird alienation. So it is unfortunate that uh, that women are often not uh, trying to uplift one another. They're, they're trying to claw each other down. Yes, exactly. And so um, when I went to law school, which again, I had a lot of people that were not supportive of that because um, before I entered in law school, I found out I was pregnant and I had been trying to get pregnant for several years and had several miscarriages. So I just said, you know, not a big deal. It's not my time. I'm just going to go ahead and pursue my law degree and that will be fine. Um, well, as soon as I got accepted to law school, I found out I was pregnant. So and I was like, well, guess what? I'm still going to law school. We'll just have to be pregnant in law school. Um, but I had a lot of people, family members, as well as friends that told me, are you sure you're going to do this? Because I have a feeling once this baby's born, you're just going to quit. Most women do not finish what they start when it comes, once they have kids. Yeah. And I thought to myself, why not? Why can't they finish? I just don't understand that. So once again, it was another set of group of people that were like push, putting me down, like, you're not going to make it. It's not going to happen for you. So um, I, I'm very stubborn. So and I'm the kind of person like, did you just tell me I can't do something? Well, now I have to go and do it yeah. and then slam it in your face to tell you, yes, I did. Yes. So um, when I did that and working at the law firm, raising a child and going to law school, um, I remember that the attorneys there, the male attorneys were uh trying not to give me the more difficult assignments because I had a child. And so it's like, mm -hmm. Stacey, you know, you, you just got a lot on your plate. I don't think you should do that. And it's like, why? What, just because I'm having a baby doesn't mean that I'm not just as good as I was writing all these motions and trial briefs for you before. So yeah. nothing's changed. But I realized at that time, it was time for me to move away from that law firm because they were never going to see me more than the young little girl that came in and not this strong intelligent, you know, independent woman. So I told my husband, I'm going to have to, when I pass the bar, I, I needed the money to pay yeah. mortgage at the time, but when I pass the bar, I'm finding a new job. I need to start fresh where nobody knows me and I can come in and really set my pace. So, so. what I love about you saying that is I talk often about, um, sort of choosing, deciding your, like choosing your avatar, like decide who you are, and lean all the way into that role, you know, researcher role, just like an actor with his lines and understand like, like life's a stage, as they say, and you get to choose a character that you want to play. But you're right. Sometimes if you enter into a situation really early and really young and as you're green and developing, they're always going to see you as that like sort of, you know, deer trying to like get her footing instead of seeing you as this like solid person, credible, professional person that they can trust with 
big decisions, right? right? And so you leaving to go to a firm that's never met you in a sense, and they only can see you in this role and they only see you in this. It's like, sometimes that's just what it takes. But I talk about that part often because it's, it's just perception. And in my world, it's marketing. You choose your narrative and you go and you lean all the way in, whether it's, hey, now I'm a realtor or now I'm this or now I'm not. It's like, think right. it, do it, speak it, dress it, you know, walk like it um, until people believe that that's what you are. And it's so funny that you say that, Rachel, because we tell our kids, my husband and I are big on that. You know, you got to believe who you're going to be. Pick that role and go and do it. And my husband's favorite line is, you know, you fake it till you make it. I mean, <laughs> nobody knows. They don't know what you know that you don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. So I absolutely agree. And I know a lot of people sometimes just stay where they're at because it's familiar, it's comfortable, it's safe. Um, and probably, and I felt all those things. It was a big decision that when I passed the bar that I was leaving because I had been there since I was 17 and I passed the bar in 2001. So I was like, oh my gosh. And I have the, I, I had, by the way, I had, I was pregnant when I passed the bar with my second kid. So yes, I just yeah. kept doing this whole pregnancy thing through. <laughs> but I remember thinking to myself, this is going to be so scary but I can't be here. This is not what I want in my life. So I'm going to take a chance. Um, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to try another firm. I'm going to let them see that I can do this. And yes, I am scared to death. Yes. What if I fail? What if I don't make any money? You know, we have a mortgage to pay. And my husband was making good money, but it was still my money mattered to pay other bills. Yes. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm doing this. But my husband was like the biggest person, my biggest supporter. He said, you're leaving. I don't care what it takes. You'll figure it out. You are brilliant. You will be fine. So I had that support from him. Um, and then the, my kids were my other part, but I didn't want to drive all the way to Orange County anymore and not watch my kids grow up. And I remember when I took the job here in Corona and family law, just so we're clear people, when you go to law school, you learn all the areas of law, like a semester, just so you can take the bar. That doesn't mean you know it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's nothing to do with practice. And I remember going, okay, I'm going to do this job. I've never done family law. And the attorney said, don't worry, I'm going to mentor you. You'll be fine. I, the first day at the job, I showed up for work and he was gone on vacation and there was an ex-party domestic violence hearing. And they said, Stacy, you got to go. And I'm like, what? I don't know what I'm doing. Oh my God, I'm going to get fired. <laughs> and my client's going to get a restraining order. <laughs> and um, it worked out really good, but it was the scariest thing in the world. But then afterwards, it was like the most invigorating because it's like, I did it. Oh my God, I got yeah. through it. I did it. So I tell everybody out there, don't be afraid to make that change because it may end up being the best thing you ever did. You know, uh, so, so uh, this is like so in sync on so many levels. I was at a media job and the exact same thing. I sat there and I literally thought I could retire here. And I was young. I was like early twenties. And I remember calling my mom from my office and I said, you know, do you know anybody that wants a job here? Like you can literally come here and like, and just retire here. People have been here, been at that media company for so many years. And she said, well, just then congratulations. Like now, you know where you're going to be. And I said, oh no. I said, it's the one thing that made me realize I need to leave here, like learn what I can and leave as soon as possible. And she was so confused by it. She was like, but you're just, you're out calling me, asking me if I know anybody that wants a job because people retire here. I said, yeah, because while I'm here and I'm in a position of some, so, like some soft power to be able to get people in to help others, but I, I need to get out of here. And everywhere I went, if, if I loved it too much, or I was like, oh my God, I could be here forever. I knew that was my cue, that it was time to go and grow. And I constantly put myself in these scary, sort of uncomfortable positions for maybe like a thousand bucks a month more. I always had to get more money or a better title, but I always jumped. And so I was like a career jumper. And my mom was a career woman where she stayed all these years at her job. And she said, you are destroying your resume. And I'm like, no, I am. I didn't get a master's degree. This is what I'm doing. This is how I'm getting my MBA, like in real time, you know, hands on and everything. And she didn't really get it. And a lot of people thought I was crazy. But that same, that thing that you're saying, if you, ladies, if you're listening to this and you've been at your job for 10 years, five years, maybe two years, if you feel like you've grown as much as you could potentially grow or you've learned as much as you could potentially learn, start looking out for that next expansion opportunity, whether it's a new title, new education, whatever it may be, or starting your own business as we always say, right? Yes, I agree with that because I was with the second firm that I was with, I was with them for 
a very long time. And for me to go off on my own, the way that I did, again, I had my husband, he had been telling me for years, just do it, just do it. You are smart enough. You can handle it. And it's so scary. And yes. I will tell you from an attorney standpoint, the reason it's so scary is we attorneys rely on each other to bounce ideas or bounce, you know, arguments or, you know, what's the best way to handle this or who knows if we can file in this court to do this. We use each other for that. We bounce ideas off of that. And I was used to always working in a firm where I had that kind of support. Like if I didn't know the answer, it's okay because I can go down the hall. So-and-so will direct me and then I'll get the answer. Yeah. When you're a sole practitioner, you don't have that. You're trying to figure it out yourself. You're stumbling. I mean, luckily I had the experience, uh, many years experience of doing family law, but some of these new areas that I've jumped into, I've really relied on, on some of my friends that are attorneys in this area and said, I'm reaching out. I need help. I don't know what the best way would be to handle this. You know, do you have some direction ideas? Um, but it is scary to, to take it on your own. And then you have to like, there's like, you have to pay attention to like the money part and yeah. the business, you know, before it was just like, I'm going to research the law, make the greatest yeah. motion ever and go argue it. Yeah. Now it's like, I got my mom in here. Cause she helps me with that. And she's like, we need to look at these numbers. And I got, I don't want to look at numbers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. but it is though the freedom that I have and the, I don't know, the self pride, I guess is the one that I have that, oh my gosh, I did this and I've been doing it now for almost a two and a half years and it's doing very well. And I, you know, I don't actively market myself. A lot of people know me because of all my years of living in Corona. So I don't have to, I have, my kids have always been active in um, the community. So, so have my husband and I, but I am doing very well and I am shocked, amazed. And, and that's why I said self pride self. I'm so proud of myself that I was so scared. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm going to do this. And then it's like, it's the best thing I ever did. Yeah. I love that I'm on my own. I love that I don't have to report to anybody. And I love, I get to choose what cases I take and, and handle it. And now I get to do the law that I love and help kids and help people. So, you know what? I mean, and that's, I love that because it is the entire sort of premise of why we even did the CEO platform and, you know, Rachel and Pat took off and I was just turning my pain into purpose, so to speak. And I lost my son. I tell that story um, and, and said, I'm going to do a podcast. And people are like, what? You should be like in bed crying every day. And it was like, oh, I got to pour it out somewhere because somewhere, somehow it's going to help somebody. And never imagined in a million years that it would, it would blow up the way it did. And, you know, top five in the nation by Feedspot and all these kinds of crazy opportunities coming. But one of the greatest things that came out of it was the CEO platform, because I understood there's so many women that have DM'd me. My DMs are just insane of just these stories. I'm a single mom. I don't know what to do. I'm in a toxic relationship. I don't know what to do. And, and they're not, and they're not coming to me for the relationship podcast. I do with Dahlia. They're coming to me on my account because they heard the Rachel impact podcast was thought TikTok, And they're going, you built businesses from home. I'm like, I think I can do that, but I don't know how everybody is feeling the fear and stopping. And then I get invited to speak on stage and I go, feel the fear and do it anyways. Those people were like, be fearless. There's no such thing. I think if you're passionate and, and, and you, there's a lot at stake, if it's really worth it, it's going to be scary. Yeah. And so you've got to feel the fear and do it anyways. And if you fall, you fall, but you didn't fail because you learned something as you were tumbling down, whether, right. was, whether you're mismanaging your money, your time, your, you know, whatever bad partnerships happen. There's so many things, but at the end of the day, if you can get to where Stacey is at or where I'm at, where you are dictating your life and like what, like she said, what cases she's taking, you know, what kind of people you want to deal with. It's the best place to be. Let me ask you a question here. The mommypreneur thing. Oh gosh. <laughs> okay. You have a special needs son. That's an extra dynamic there to the story. Can you just share now, can we dive, can we just put like the mom hats on here for a second and go, what did that look like for you to still say, I don't, I don't care that I'm pregnant. I'm going to do it. I don't care that I have these babies. I'm going to do it. I don't care that now they're getting older and I want to be there. Like what does that look like? What did that look like for you? Okay. Well, let's see. Well, I love that mom hat. It's my favorite hat to wear. My favorite. Um, I don't know if I would have said that when I was a lot younger um, because I was the oldest of five kids. The last thing I wanted was a, a bunch of kids because I had my goal set that I was going to be an attorney and that I was going to be a judge at 40, but you know, life happens. Yeah. And as my, um, my parents used to tell me that it's great that I have a plan, but God's already written my story. So 
I better just take a seat and, and enjoy. <laughs> yes. So, um, yes, I have four children. My oldest is 26 and he is autistic. He is high functioning autistic. Um, but when he was diagnosed at three years old, it was quite a bit for my husband and I to handle. We had never experienced anything about autism except for, you know, like most people back in the day was Rain Man, right? That was oh, all okay, yes. new. Um, this was completely different at the time they categorized it as Asperger's syndrome today. They don't do that anymore. It's just, um, you know, autism spectrum disorder, ASD. Okay. So, um, they just keep it under one umbrella, but he was still verbal. So I didn't have that issue, but he had a lot of disabilities with communicating and expressing feelings. So there was a lot of meltdowns and he struggled with social skills. So it was really, really hard. And during that time when I had him and, and my second one came four years later, I remember the doctor telling me, we were, my husband, and I jumped in, I, I'm a researcher, I'm, yeah. I'm an attorney. So, okay, he's got autism. I'm researching everything. I'm joining every chat room. Yeah. I am getting on anything that can help me. I want other parents to tell me what they're going through so I can embrace this because to me, I didn't look at it that so much that my son had a disability. Um, and like, you know, how, how are we going to deal with it? I was like, how can I help him manage through his life? Yeah. Because he's going to go through obstacles and I'm going to teach him how he's going to maneuver that. Yeah. Just like I would teach any of my kids, yeah. how are you going to maneuver through life? So that became my major goal. Well, what happened was I was working full time and I was really doing well. My boss was like, wanted to make me partner. Um, but it became apparent that one of us needed, one of us, my husband or I, we needed to step back because Nicholas was requiring a lot more. Okay. And it was hard for me to do that because I'm here, I am representing, you know, families that are getting divorced and I'm yelling at clients, like be better parent, you know, put your kids first. And here I am like, you want me to give up my career to go home yes. and do this? And uh. it was, I was so angry. I was angry at my husband. I was resentful toward him. Why do I have to give up my career? Why do you get to pursue yours? Oh, because I'm the female. So the female has to be home. I remember, was, I mean, we laugh about it now, but I was like, I was so angry yeah. and I, I didn't talk to him. I wouldn't talk to him. We couldn't talk without me just getting angry at him. So he just oh. said that he would stop. So I knew I had to go talk to somebody because I didn't want to be this angry person. And I certainly didn't want to raise my children with an angry person. So I remember going to talk to the psychologist to help me. And um, I, I grew up in a, in a family that always had anger management issues anyway. So okay. I wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to pass that on yes. to my family. And I remember, and I still remember what she told me that day, um, that I was so angry. I just got done venting and saying everything. And I'm so tired of like the men get to go to work and do this. And why can't women do just the same? I can make just as much money as he does if I'm working full time. You know, it's his son, maybe he should stay home. And I remember she listened and just nodded. And then she finally said, you know, you keep saying these phrases that you have to give up your career. And I'm just, I just, she goes, I have a question for you. So if you go home and raise your son, do you lose your law degree? And I said, well, no, she goes, okay, well, what about passing the bar? Do they take that away? Like you don't get to be licensed attorney anymore. I go, no, once you pass the bar, you're a licensed attorney. Yeah. So she goes, so you going home isn't going to strip you of any, uh, any of the titles, any of the success or the accomplishments that you've made. Is that correct? And I said, yes. And here I am like, now, are you putting me on the stand? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so she said, she goes, so why is it that you're giving up your career instead of putting your career on the shelf, like a good book? I mean, mm -hmm. there's book, good books that we love to read and we finish them. And we put them on the shelf because we want to come back and reread them. So why isn't that the same thing for you? Why aren't you just putting your, uh, your degree on the shelf and we're going to come back to that after I get things settled? And I thought to myself, wow, I didn't think about it that way. Yeah. So she goes, it's not you giving it up. It's taking a pause. A pause, yes. Yeah, we're going to take a pause. We're going to come back to it. You know, when you have time, sit down on that chair. You're going to pull that book and you're going to read it again. And, and she goes, I'm just asking you for, to look at it from that perspective. So I remember I, I drove, I didn't go home right away. I wanted to drive around and think about what she said. And I thought to myself, okay, I get where she's coming from. She's absolutely right. I'm not giving anything up. And maybe I can do something where I can modify it, where I can still be there for my son, who, by the way, needed me. He needed yeah. me. 
Yeah. And it was the most important thing. I'm raising these little humans and I need to make sure that I'm doing the right thing for them. Yeah. And I remember thinking, okay, you know what, Stacey, this is just another obstacle. When they told you you couldn't get into college and you weren't going to go to law school and then you couldn't have a baby and go to law school and you couldn't pass the bar and be pregnant. All these different things. It's just one more. So fix it. Fix it how you want it to be. So I went back to my boss and told him I was going to have to start staying home with our kid. He needed me there. I need to get him to more services and he needed me. And I said, but if you need me to do any work from home, I'm happy to do that. Well, he right away jumped and told me, you're not quitting. You're not fired. You will be working from home and I will give you the motions and the trial briefs and you'll do the marital settlement agreements and you'll handle the clients on, you know, talking to them. And, and that's what I did. I worked from home. He let me work from home. He was an amazing, amazing boss. And then slowly, because I was raising these children, because I have four now, yeah. I started getting more involved because I was advocating for Nicholas on a daily basis at the school, because that was all new with this whole services for autism, yes. because they don't fall in special education all the time. They're, for Nicholas, he was on that fine line. Should he be in the general classes or should he be in special? He was too smart for special education. So they need to put him in general. Okay, well, now we need services. So it became, I became an advocate for him. And then I started helping other parents advocate for their kids that were on IEP plans and 504. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm still doing everything I love. I'm just not in an office with a firm. Yeah. So I started doing all those things. I became the room mom. I became in charge at PTA, started doing all, making all these changes for the kids at the school. So it's like, okay, I'm still yeah. doing it then. See, I found another way to do it. But I will tell you, I was resentful in the beginning. And now my youngest, who just turned 16, my kids, whenever we have dinner, we try to do a family dinner on Sunday where we can all be together. They have told me some of the best days of their lives is because I've been home. They love that I was part of everything in their life, that I was, you know, the booster president for football, or I was the team mom on their sports, or I was, you know, the room mom in their class, or I, I was there for everything. And they yeah. loved, they loved that I threw the most creative birthday parties for them with their friends. And they just, yeah. they said that they, 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 they had a hard time with me going to work. Like, wait a minute, yeah. <laughs> where's her mom? We need her back. So I would tell any mom, first of all, your best job that you're ever going to do is be a mom. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it doesn't mean just because you're a mom, that you don't get to have a career and that you won't find it along the way. Right. It may not be in the same time period that you want it or frame, but it can happen. It will happen. And it's, if you want it bad enough, it will happen. Well, I, th this is just so perfect because I do come across a lot of um, women with so much potential and they have drive to an extent, meaning drive to go get the certification or even go get the master's degree or go do the things but they feel still stuck in the actual execution of those, of all of that learning um, because they have all the kids or they have a new baby or, or whatever. And I really tried to say, go put those things into action. You know, there's a thing that's called like paralysis by analysis, right? And I, oftentimes we spend so much time wanting to do the research or the prep work or the whatever that we don't actually get the thing done that we're aiming towards, right? And I think as women, oftentimes, you know, because we do have the people in our ears saying, you know, put the kids first. Um, and there's all these, are you sure you can do that with all the kids? I, I mean, the number of things I hear from women as to why they haven't pursued their career is literally heartbreaking to me because, because you have to turn down the noise and you have to turn down the noise in your own head too, um, in order to get things done. But when it comes to parenthood and, and being the mom, there is an odd thing, right? Because I think my mom's generation was very like, you know, burn the bras and like, you know, go for the men's jobs and we're the same. But I think we've really entered uh, into an area where women really want balance and it's less about the riches and, and the titles and more about showing up as the mothers we always wish we maybe had, um, the mothers that, you know, we know that we still want to be but also be like the badasses, so to speak, in these other areas. And the idea that you can't be both. Um, and I was raised by an executive type woman and she was not home a lot. I mean, that, that job was number one. And um, I understood that as a kid, right? But I also became a mother, a young mother who understood I wanted differently from my child. I wasn't really succeeding at that at the beginning when I was building my career. Entrepreneurship has given me that opportunity to do the thing that I'm really good at, that I enjoy doing while also being incredibly present.
for them when they were teenagers and then young adults. And I think that you can, I think that I agree with you on the balance. I think more women are trying to find that balance, but I think it's healthy for your kids to see that too. I think it's healthy for them to see that, yeah, mom has a job and it's outside of just, you know, making my lunch, picking me up to go to soccer practice. Um, It's more than that. And I know that my kids are very proud. They love to brag to their friends that their mom is this attorney and this is what she does. Um, even though they go, but she hasn't made dinner in three nights. So they, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they, they do, they love seeing that I do that because they know that I can also be their mom. Yeah. And I am there for the important things. I make sure that we find time together, whether it's a Friday night where finally nobody has something or a Sunday where we're having breakfast all together or something. Yeah. I make it my goal to know what's going on in their lives, even while I'm working this job. Um, and I'm still a part of everything. I probably live on very little sleep, but that's okay. Um, because one day they're all going to leave me and it won't, it, it won't matter that it, they'll remember that. They'll and remember that is, all of that. That is the thing, ladies, if you are listening to this and you are currently in the storm of raising littles and you feel super overwhelmed, like during COVID, so many of the women, that's kind of where this part of my career flourished because there were so many women feeling like they were being drowned, they were drowning in the undertow of it all. You know, at the end of the day, you just got to remember it, Find your footing in that when you're with your kids, be all in with your kids. You know, when you're at your job or working on anything, be all in and let them respect that you're all in over here during this time and this time. I've talked to several ladies now, even doing the interviews, and they've got really great at compartmentalizing all of the aspects of who they are, all the different hats we wear. You know what I mean? And even for me, when I was working from home at times back in the day, my little one, who's now, you know, 24 years old. Um, I would, he would watch Teletubbies or whatever, and I would do 45 minute increments. So I'd say, okay, when mommy's on the phone, you gotta be quiet. And I didn't want him tugging on me going, oh, mom, trying to show me his little drawings. It was like, mom's on the phone 45 minutes. But then that 15 minute before the next hour, I'd sit on the floor with him. We'd have snacks and we'd go outside really quick and hula hoop. It was like, I was all in on him for those 15 minutes um, until I was done with my work for the day. So everybody has their different ways of doing things. Um, I just like the idea of like, hey, they're in front of you talking. Don't be like this going, uh-huh, uh-huh on your phone. Because mm-hmm. that's not that's not landing with them. Um, and so don't try to multitask necessarily. You know, try to be extremely present um, is what I will leave with that. But let's talk um, about trust. So okay. we had a really good time here talking about the, the, the CEO side, the mompreneur side, um, entrepreneurship. What about what you actually do? Um, I know you're talking about conservatorships and special needs trusts and stuff like that. What about, what should women know about trust? Like what, what are they by the way? And like, why do we need them as women, whether we're single or married and why, do, why should we have them as business owners? Okay. Well, first of all, you need them. So the most important thing overall, you need them so you can avoid probate. Okay. Probate is a very long and expensive process. And it follows certain code sections that are under our California probate code sections. And so you may not want your assets to go to certain people or to be handled a certain way. And if you don't have a trust in place, that's exactly how it will happen. And the court appoints people. If there isn't somebody there to be an executor, they appoint people, they appoint appraisers. They, I mean, all these different expenses that you have. And it can go up to two years before anything is ever distributed from the estate. So having a trust is essential for everyone. And the great thing about having a trust is it is revocable. You can edit it. You can modify it. You can add more assets. You can take them out. You can change your beneficiaries. Maybe, you know, you're done talking to uh, a a certain kid that just kind of went off the rails and left and went to some cult. Great. Let's take them out of the trust. Okay. (laughs) So you can do all those things. You can change your trustees. You can have a corporate trustee, a bank trustee, whatever you want to do. That's the great thing. It's yours. It's your estate plan that you are uh, fixing it to fit you. It's not, not one all goes across the board. Uh, For businesses, it's important to put them in there too, because what happens to this business if you pass away? Right. If you're the sole owner, that's, assets 
that's assets that now the court has to go through and go, okay, so what do we do? We got to take inventory. Are we selling off pieces? Are we selling off the brand, the clientele list? It's just a big, huge hassle. So if you don't have something in place telling people what it is that you want done, then this is what the court goes. Well, you left us no choice. We're handling it now. So that's why they are important to have. Um, with the with the trust too, and I, I say this to a lot of women that are going through divorces or about to go through divorces, this is where you need to make sure that you're changing beneficiaries. Um, in fact, I'm doing a trust too um, when you have kids. So let's say you're divorced. So typically, yes, the husband and wife, they get the kids, right? Absolutely. That's definitely going to happen um, in a custody situation. However, what if, you have a trust in place and your husband has a trust in place and then you both die. Have you guys provided who's going to be the guardians for your minor children? This is another place where this would happen because you do what's called a pour over will and that's where you're putting um, guardianships or conservatorships in place. So I tell my clients, even though you're divorced and the other spouse is still alive, you should still provide information there for your minors, especially with some of these people have little ones, um, that there's a guardian in place just in case, what, what if, something happens to you and dad is either passed away or become incapacitated. Yeah. Now who's in charge? Well, now we have to go to court and you, and granted with that said, you still have to go to court to get the court order, but the court is looking at your trust document that you said, this is what I want right. um, to be. This is who I want to be the guardian. So that helps them like, okay, we're not having to appoint somebody call in the County, all this kind of stuff. So a lot of people don't think about those things. Yeah. And then, I, oh, and then two, you may, you know, have young children and you're going to pass away and wh who's going to, what are we going to do with all these assets? Because we're not going to hand over a million dollars to a 12 year old. Yes. So we need, that's another area that we start addressing inside the trust, all these different things. Um, but like I said, as time goes on every three years, you should be reviewing your trust to see like, okay, is everything up to date? Has the laws changed for tax reasons? You'd always want to check that because government is constantly trying to find different ways to yeah. not let us have as much money as possible yeah. when we pass away. Um, but you want to make sure to like have my beneficiaries changed or okay, you know what, who I thought was should have been the perfect trustee. That's not the person anymore. Get that taken oh, care of. Um, because your trustees are going to manage your ass assets after you pass away, whether they're going to distribute them outright to your beneficiaries, or they're going to be managing this trust for a period of time over a period of time until your beneficiaries reach the age that you want them to receive the money. Right. Um, in the case of a special needs trust, uh, the reason I tell clients that have kids with disabilities, the reason you need a special needs trust with your estate plan is if that child is receiving government aid, um, whether it's SSI or Medi-Cal, they can't be receiving a large sum of money from you. It will take away their government aid. So you set up this special needs trust where that portion of your estate goes into and it's managed by a trustee to help supplement what the government is not paying for. Got it. So they don't lose out on all of that. So it keeps it within the limits and stuff like that. Right, exactly. Because um, there's certain things that the government pays for and then there's certain things you can pay for that won't affect because you can't, you can't be having more, the special needs person cannot have more than $2,000 income oh, wow. a month. I don't know how they're supposed to survive on that. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> apparently that's the rule um, because then it takes you out of being able to receive those benefits. So I, I do a lot of those, I do the estate plan and then I do the special needs trust with it so that um, everything gets put into there. Like for example, if you have a 401k, and your 401k has listed your beneficiaries as your husband, but if he's not there, then it's your three children. Mm -hmm. Well, if one of those children is special needs and they um, eventually will go get government funds because of their needs, you want to make sure that now that beneficiary spot says, you know, special needs trust of John Smith, because that's where you want the 401k to go, not directly to them, because it, there's, I don't want to go into all the legalities of yeah. there's different types of special needs trusts and some of them, the government wants accounting and other ones, they don't need them. Okay. So I'm creating the ones where the government doesn't need an accounting. 
Okay. So, but uh, except for taxes when they do the taxes, but this is different. Social security wants the accounting yeah. and I'm trying to avoid that for some of these. <laughs> yeah. um, but there's just so many different ways to manage your estate in these trusts and you, you get the government or not the government, get the court system out of it. You should be able to decide how you want your estate to go and who do you want it to go with? So, so I have a question. So if let's just speak to the ladies who okay. have put their career first. This is a very common thing, especially in California. Mm -hmm. They have not been married yet. They don't have kids yet possibly, but they're, they're, you know, getting into a serious relationship. It's looking like they're going to head down that road, but there is a concern. And the concern is I built this. I have this amazing business. I have maybe a personal brand. I have whatever it might be. Maybe you have Airbnb businesses. I don't know, real estate businesses. Women have so many different things that they're involved with now. They meet a wonderful man. He got down on one knee. They're going to get married. Now she's scared. This is part of why I had messaged you that day. Because yes. I hear these conversations and they're like, I love him. And I think it's wonderful, but I'm a realist. And I know the stats. And like, I'm scared because, right, they focused on their career and they built all these things up with their business. So what do you have to say for those women in terms of asset protection and trust? Two things. Number one, um, if you are going to get into a relationship or plan to get married because we are in California, at least here in California, we are a community property state. I recommend for any um, self-made woman um, that's, you know, has this career, has built up a business that they definitely do a prenup before marriage yes. and cover that area of their business to make sure that it maintains to be theirs. Because what happens is any income they make from the business is considered community property. Yes. So if you have a prenup, you're deciding prior to the marriage, no, anything that comes, this business alone is my separate property. And anything that comes from this business will be my separate property. And this, that particular type of document are, are done by attorneys that usually specialize in that. I, I highly recommend they find someone that that's what they do, okay. especially if they're, if their company is worth a lot of money, because there is huge malpractice in that area. If you do not get the right person, um, you want the right person to do that for you. And I, I know several that that's, that's what they do. They just, they just whip these out all the time, okay. but it is each party has to be represented by an attorney in those particular okay. cases, because what you're basically doing is waiving your right to any community interest in that business and income that it will generate. Okay. And you have to think about that. Like if you purchase things from that income, you know, if you don't set that aside saying that it's separate property, then anything you purchase with that income is also community property. So it's just like, it starts doing like this domino effect if you don't get it taken care of. So that's number one. Number two, then that's when I recommend also doing a trust, identifying that this particular asset, um, and there's, I have a document that will say that that asset is a separate property that goes into the trust, is that this is mine and this is who I want it to go to when and if I pass away and or how I want it to distribute it or whatever you want to do. And it doesn't necessarily have to go to the husband. But the first part of it you do have to do <laughs> is you need to okay. do the prenup. Okay, so first comes the, the prenup, and that's both parties acknowledging that this is a separate asset. Yes. Now, and if you if you start, I just want to tell you, if you start at the trust first, and then you meet this guy later on, I would still recommend doing the prenup because your trust is already in place and you've got that in place. And you don't have to do a new trust. That trust is still valid, even okay. though you get married. You can have your own separate trust. We just have to make sure that the assets you listed didn't somehow become community property. Oh, That's when man. we would have to amend it. Okay. So let's, so let's just say, for instance, I'm going to go like zero knowledge here okay. and go, I have a business, my business is in a trust. And through that business, I bought a vehicle because that's like a trending thing, right? Go buy a car in your business name. Maybe you bought an investment property because you're putting it on Airbnb and that's in the LLC. So that is, is that what you're talking about? Like have a list of assets that are purchased by the business and own, or, or what is, what are we, what are we Well, when you, when you're just, and I'm assuming that when you're giving me that example, you're not married. This is before marriage. This is before marriage. So everything you're doing right now, yes. everything you're doing right now is separate property. That okay. There's no community property interest whatsoever. Okay. Okay. But let's assume, and then, and you put these items in the trust and you can right. do whatever you want with whatever assets you want to list in the trust. It doesn't matter. But then let's assume you decide to get married. Okay. And you're still running the business and you're still generating income. 
Okay. And now with this income, you and uh, your new husband have decided to go purchase property. Okay. Well, the business from that time that you got married and you didn't do a, a prenup, that business is now whatever that value it was at the time that when you got married to whenever you get divorced, let's say yeah. that is community interest right there. And any income that's being generated from that time period is community. So if you're generating income and you go purchase a house, that is now community property. It belongs to both of you. You know, if you go purchase a new car, because maybe now the car that you list in the trust, you got rid of, and you're now you're buying a new Porsche or whatever. Well, because you didn't do the prenup, that it that car is now community property. So had I done, so let's just say I'm going I'm to use me. So had I done the prenup that, hey, this business generates whatever, and that's mine. Right. And, and it, let's just say this is the only way I make money is through this business. Right. Anything I buy with that money is then protected. Yes. Yes. If you have the prenup that's dedicating that everything that this business and the income generated, they, they could go into a list of details of what will be considered that. Okay. Yes. It's your separate property. Oh. It doesn't belong to him. And so now in your trust, can you designate all those things to go to your son or whoever you want? Yes, it's yours. Do whatever you want with it. It's when you're doing something that is community that becomes difficult. And that's why, you know, most married couples do like a joint trust. Um, but there are people that have a joint trust together right now that I know are divorced and they've had to revoke those obviously because they no longer have the assets have been split. And then also too, they want to make sure that this particular person is not a beneficiary trustee or anything attached to anything they have. So Especially, you know, because we're living in a time with blended families, you know, and there's mm -hmm. women that they have like myself. Oh, well, you know, my son is 20 something, like I mentioned, and let's just say I enter into a new thing and that man has three adult children. And obviously I'm, uh, you know, uh, what do they say? T-bones or trap T-bones or I'm, I'm not going to get with someone that's not doing well, right? For himself. So he's doing well for himself. I'm doing well for myself. He has adult children. I have adult children. We get married and then there's that panic. This is one of the things I actually talked to you in the hallway one day. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> what does this look like? And I understand all these men that, I, that I'm familiar with, that I know through business, um, that they are not remarrying. They're like, that is a no. It is not worth the financial risk because of whatever they went through before. And I understand, right? So to me, it's like, I feel like both sides of the fence are in the dark a little bit about how to navigate this. Because if I'm building this business and I'm doing all this and I, and I get remarried and then something happens to me, I'm just logically thinking it's all going to go to my son. But the reality is there's a husband here and then he has kids. And what if, he, what if we're on a flight together, God forbid, there's all these weird things, right? So I have done something even as far as telling my son you know, if I buy a house with someone and then something happens for me, God forbid, don't kick them out of the house. We got to figure out a plan for that. Even like down to does my son then immediately say, I'm selling the house. And then where does the guy go? I'm just putting these scenarios together. And you know, my son personally, he's like yes. paranoid um, about yes. the whole thing. <laughs> so I'm just throwing a lot of stuff at you right here just to see what kind of sticks and in, 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 in what kind of feedback we got. Because I know that women everywhere are like, I'm building a business, I'm thriving, but then I don't know what this means for like my children. Well, the other option is this. You don't have to do a prenup, okay? Um, but there is community interest in there. I, I'm you know, this is the family law attorney going, God, if you built that business and, you know, I, and, and nobody should go into a marriage thinking it's going to end, but then are we not going to live in reality? Cause yeah. Yeah. so, um, you know, I always tell my clients, especially when they're, you know, they're further along in their career and they've built this huge thing and they've got a lot of money, you know, protect it, protect it. But like your scenario that you just said, you both could write a trust and he could say, let's set this up. So we make sure my kids are taken care of with what I built and then you're taking care of your kid with what you built and you can completely write it that way. You oh, guys yeah. could be on the same page and write it like, yeah, but I, I think I'm going to give my son, you know, the business and, like, and that's fine. Go ahead and give him the business. And that's what he's doing. If something happens and it becomes um, what happens is when one of the spouses died, the type of trust that you create, um, there's a what they call a decedent's trust. And that decedent's trust, these are assets maybe that you designate that are going to go in there and it's irrevocable, meaning that nobody can change it. It's already set in stone. This is the way it's going to be. And that could be, it's usually for, um, in those cases, it's usually marriages where they have 
kids from a prior relationship or marriage. And so it's like, well, I want my, you know, my 401k and my insurance that I've been doing for my, those kids, not my wife's new kids or or my wife's kids. I want to go to them. You can do all of that in a trust. You can say who's going to get what. So even if you get married, if we're just talking about like, you guys are both on the same page, like, yeah, I've got my kids, you got yours. Let's make sure they get their respective shares. You can absolutely do that. And then um, the other spouse, you know, can set certain things aside for their kids, but then leave enough in there for their surviving spouse um, to make sure that she or he is taken care of while the other one's gone. You can set it all up like that. I mean, this is, I mean, it's absolutely amazing. And I think that, you know, many women that are going to listen to this will hopefully not be afraid to take the dive again, (laughs) because (laughs) now they have a little bit more of the tools of how to navigate and feel more confident to even show that they're aware of this and to be able to bring it to the table. I think most men would appreciate that. I think it'd be a breath of fresh air for them to hear like, oh, okay, she's open to this and, and she's aware of these things. Um, and so I, I personally really just love this. What are three things that you would like to share with women? Um, you know, whether it's regarding trust or building a business mindset, what are some three little takeaways you'd like to leave them with? Well, the first thing definitely with respect to trust, I, I would recommend everybody needs a revocable living trust. Do not let the courts come in and tell you how your estate um, is going to be distributed and where it's going to go and how it's going to be managed. You have the power to do that. So why would you leave it in the hands of somebody else? So be proactive rather than reactive. So number one thing, get yourself a trust if you have not done so. The second thing I would say is, ladies, do not be afraid to do the unknown, to do the scariest thing in the whole world, because it's probably the thing that you should have done a while ago. And it will help you be a better person to your family, to a significant other, because you will finally be happy. And when you're happy, you can give that so much more to so many people. And probably the last thing, gosh, the last thing I would say is do, do not ever let anybody tell you, you can't do it. Just don't, just don't, because all they are is just sit there to crash your dreams because they don't have enough guts to go do it themselves. So don't let anybody tell you that you can't. So I always end the interviews um, with, on the topic of imposter syndrome. Have you ever had imposter syndrome? I know most uh, 99.9% of the women have said yes. Every professional woman I've ever met has said yes. Have you ever faced it? I, I mean, you just told us these wonderful stories of how you overcame, you know, negative, you know, uh, dialogue and stuff with that, people's opinions and everything. Um, but w- do you face it still, um, if at all? Um, maybe sometimes a little bit. Always, I, I, I'm kind of like this person that. It, I know when I, like I tell my daughter, when she gets on stage, she's always sick to her stomach. Like, I don't know if I can do this. Oh my gosh, my gosh. And then she gets out there and then she's like, fine. Like it never, she never had those fears in the first place. And I think that's more so me that I'm more anxious about the unknown, but I'm the kind of person where I'm just going to jump in and I'm going to figure it out. I'm just going to act like I know what I'm doing. I can do that. I can present enough confidence to do that. (laughs) Um, So even though I get a little bit of it, it doesn't stop me. It doesn't, in fact, it makes me like, oh, I have to get, I have to get over this. I, I'm just going to have to jump in and do this. So not, not as much as it did when I was younger. And I think that has a lot to do with maturity. As we get older, we learn to not sweat the small stuff as much as we did when we were younger, where everything mattered, everything. Um, when you get older and, and life passes by and, and you lose family members and you just, you start going through your own tragedies. You start really realizing like, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. There's bigger things in life. Life is way too short. I had a wonderful um, CEO tell me I got put into a management position, a leadership role with a lot of people under me. And I got the job and I was like, yeah, I got the job. But you go through this moment of like, in these 90 days, they're going to realize that I do not know what I'm doing. Um, and, and I try not, I try not to do the fake it to make it. I try to be like, just, you know, just, just be you and it'll be fine. But in the early years, I was like, oh man, they're going to discover that I just interview really well. 
And I remember um, the CEO and everybody made a big deal. The CEO was in the building and he came up to, you know, welcome me and all this kind of stuff. And he said, and then he said, how do you feel? Are you nervous? And I said, and I, and I was so honest. And I said, I'm just sitting here going, let's see how, how I'm just going to enjoy these 90 days until you guys realize I do not know what I'm doing. <laughs> and he laughed and said, and said, kiddo, uh, I've been a CEO three times over, you know, for three different uh, media companies. And he goes, and every single, he goes, and I'm still waiting for them to realize I don't know what I'm doing. So I realized this is at the tippity top of this publicly traded company. And he's sitting here going, this are, we, none of us know what we're doing. And I'm like, oh man. And it just made it where I'm like, just go for it. Like go, don't go for the lower job, go for the higher job. And eventually it's don't work for anybody. Just go start your own thing right. um, and figure it out. So I always say, you know, I'm building the airplane on the way down kind of, and it's exhilarating um, because once it takes flight, you're like, whoa, like, did this. and it's super exciting you know what? Thank you so much, Stacey, for coming on. It's been such a pleasure having you share your story with us and the importance of us having a trust. Where can the ladies find you? Oh, well, I don't have a website, but they can find me. They can call my office, which is 951-289-3652 um, or email, which is S as in my name, Stacey, Marks law at gmail.com. I also have a Facebook and Instagram page and it's Stacy Martinez Marks attorney at law. So either of those areas, um, I wish I could just tell you word of mouth too, because that seems how I'm getting everybody. <laughs> the phone's ringing off yeah, so much word of mouth. Um, can you just, do you have any resources that you can share? Like maybe we can pin it to the episode or pin it inside of CEO. I don't know if it's like a checklist, just anything you think of, just let us know. And you can email it over. Something not everybody submits, but if you have something, the door is open for you to do so. Ladies, if you're listening and she does have any little sort of tip sheet or anything like that, we will include it um, in the CEO platform. Thank you so much. Thank for you, Rachel, on. for having me. All right, ladies, have yourselves a wonderful week and we will see you next time. Okay. If you're new to my content and you want to tap into resources, workbooks, courses, masterminds, a community of like-minded women that can support you on your entrepreneurial journey, head on over to my website, rachelmedina.com and click any button you see that says she EO, and it'll take you right on over there. In the meantime, if you're not doing so already, please follow me on social media at Rachel Medina 101. Let's go.